What up, guys? It's JP from The Chase Down, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? And today we have some sad news for Boston fans. Uh, the Golden State Warriors took a 3-2 lead in the NBA Finals yesterday. Um, kind of a tough one to watch, to be honest. Me and Ben were fortunate enough to watch the game together. Uh, we had a bunch of buddies, a few drinks. We watched the game, and it, that did not help watching the Celtics play. Um, Jason Tatum had a really, really good stretch there, uh, kind of came up empty in the fourth quarter. Jalen Brown continues to show that he doesn't know how to dribble. It, it, this is really one of the – actually, I'm just going to jump right into that point. I, like, I don't want to move on from that. Um, a lot has been made about how Jalen Brown has improved every single year, and it's totally true. I'm not taking anything away from that. Um, but all season long, we've been seeing the Jalen Brown clips of his handle – and how much it's improved. And when we watch series like the Heat series and now the Golden State series, um, it's hard to like it's still better than it used to be, but it's it's gotta be one of the worst handles in the league. Like, and I I actually mean that because no one can get the ball ripped from them easier than Jalen Brown. I've never seen anything like it. The ball just slips right out of his hands. I don't know. I don't know what it is. What are your thoughts on just Jalen Brown? Because there's no doubt he's a good player. He's he's a fringe all-star type. He'll probably make one or two more in his career. Um, definitely a good player. Like any team would be very happy to pay him $30 million a year. No question to ask. What do you think about just like the weirdness with his handle this this postseason? Like it's such a strange storyline. I think it's hard to say he's got the worst handles in the league because guys with the worst handles in the league don't dribble. Worst hands, worst hands. Like he just cannot keep the ball in his own hands. Like yeah. it's him and Russell Westbrook at the top of that list. Yeah. I mean, in terms of guys who actually try to dribble the ball a lot, Jalen Brown's towards the bottom. Um, I don't know what it is, man. Cause regular season, we don't see this. I don't know if he's in his own head. I don't know if it's, I mean, I think part of it and I'll talk about this more with Tatum when we talk about some of his struggles uh, from the two point land, but you're allowed to be more physical in the finals. You're allowed to be more physical in the playoffs and it gets even more ramped up in the finals. So Jalen Brown, a lot of the times where there's like little ticky tack, somebody bumps him on the wrist while he's dribbling. He gets that foul call in the regular season. So it's harder to disrupt his dribbles in the regular season. When you're allowed to be physical with him, when you're allowed to kind of reach around him, and bump him and make it difficult for him every single possession. He loses the ball a lot. <clears throat> he does not have a very tight handle, but he's got a lot of moves that he can pull out in the regular season. That's what's so weird. Like his dribble combos are crazy efficient, but like just the normal everyday dribble, it's like, what is going on? Yeah. I think it's just the, the fact that you can be so much more physical in the finals that he doesn't have the kind of airspace that he usually has to make dribble moves. Um, because when people get into his space, when people try to, you know, anybody with relatively active hands is going to take the ball from him. I actually like that point a lot. You, obviously, in the playoffs, the whistle gets swallowed a little bit. And I thought they did a pretty good job of that in general last night. Yeah, um, yeah. I know I forget that ref's name, but people don't usually love him. Tony Brothers. There was Tony. that one call of Marcus Smart uh, phantom hitting yeah. Jordan Poole in the face. Yeah. You know, there yeah. was a little bit of flopping. But like for the most part, they've been pretty good about swallowing the whistle. I thought last night the refs did a pretty good job. I didn't feel, you know, one team got rewarded more than the other. I didn't feel like there were a ton of bad calls. Like it felt pretty even to me. Um, but yeah, getting to, like close and physical with Jalen Brown is definitely something that's working. And I've seen a few times like players are just playing the ball on him, not even his body anymore. They're just like, I would rather reach and risk for a reach and foul then try to stay step with step to step with this guy. Cause Jalen Brown's obviously an incredible athlete athlete. Like he's going to blow by most guys. So instead of like trying to stay toe to toe with him, they just kind of reach for the ball and hope it slips out of his hands. And it's kind of been working. Um, but he's still, I think he's probably been the best Celtic, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, him or Tatum, they've both been about the same, but Tatum's had some real bad two point shooting. Yeah. Let's get into that. So as a preface, the Warriors are up 3-2 in the series. I know I said that a little bit earlier. Game five is the most recent game we've watched, but we haven't covered since the series has even began. If we're going to move into the Tatum conversation, he played well last night. Um, at one point in the game, he was 9 for 12 from the field with 22 points. Um, he finished 
pretty poorly, I would say. He finished nine for 20. So, I mean, he had an ice cold fourth quarter. Um, that's not something you want to see from a guy who's a quote unquote superstar, um, especially his performances game through uh, games one through four, where he's kind of been pretty inconsistent from two point land. I texted you this morning. He's 19 for 62 from two point land. Um, as a guy who's six foot nine and probably 230 pounds, that's a little puzzling to me. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if it's Andrew Wiggins deserves so much credit in the world, or if it's Jason Tatum's not ready for the moment, or if it's the finals and the physicality that he has to deal with driving. I think it's a mix of all of those three, because when he drives to the lane, him and Jalen Brown, the refs are swallowing their whistle. Same with the Warriors. You know, when Steph drives to the lane, he's getting bumped a lot and the refs are swallowing their whistle. Um, Jason Tatum for most of his career has been a dude that goes around contact. And now instead of going around contact or going through contact, he's trying to foul bait. And in the finals, that does not work. So he comes up with ridiculously stupid floaters and layup attempts because he's trying to throw his arms out for contact. Um, That's what I've seen a lot of him from a lot of his misses because, you know, he's still shooting when he shoots those deep twos, I've seen him make them at a pretty good clip. It's just all the layups. It feels like every time there's a dude on him and he's driving to the hoop, he misses. Yeah. And I will, I will say, um, I definitely agree with you on the foul baiting point. It's become more prevalent in his game. I feel like this last year for whatever reason, I'm not sure. I don't know if his trainer was teaching him to do that. I don't know if the team encouraged him to get to the free throw line more. And he thought that was the answer to that question. Um, but he will do, he avoids contact almost at all costs. Um, it's pretty strange. Cause like I said, his dimensions would kind of lend the point that, Hey, he's enforcing the contact. Like he can kind of barrel dudes over with just his girth and size, but it's like, he is so finesse based when he gets close to the rim. It's a lot of like scoop unders and like fading layups and stuff like that, instead of just barreling down on someone. And it's funny, like when he was a rookie, he dunked on LeBron and that was just such a statement play. And like, we need more of that. We need more of the attitude heading straight to the rim. And just how many guys are going to be able to stop a six foot nine, 230 pound dude moving that fast. It's just, it's going to be a tough thing to stop. So I don't know if this is something he works on for this series. I don't know if this is like something he needs to work on for years down the road. I have no idea but he needs to be a little more physical in yes. the paint. Less finesse and yeah. more just like go through people. Um, because three-point wise, excuse me, he's shooting 48% from the three-point line over the series, yeah. which you can't ask for better shooting. No. Uh, Jalen Brown's been pretty cold. Marcus Smart's had, he's a bit of a roller coaster. He's had some hot and cold games. Yeah. Um, but Jason Tatum shooting from the three-point line, from deep twos, he's shooting just fine. Um, it's all of the shots inside that miss his field goal percentage right now is 37%. Um, so he's making about four threes a game and about three twos a game. It's really bad, really, really bad. So that's got to improve. And it, you're right. It just comes with him going up strong. Um, but you do have to give a lot of credit to Andrew Wiggins. We can talk about him offensively as well, but just defensively what he does against Jason Tatum, it bothered. It makes me so angry that we never saw this version of him in Minnesota. Cause if he started with this kind of energy, with this kind of intensity, who knows what kind of player he would be right now. I think I know. I think this is like a potential all, all NBA potential hall of fame type player. <laughs> Cause even as a guy who did not try like, and he just didn't try he still put up like 25 points per game in a season. And Mm -hmm. that's a guy who's not trying. I mean, if he put in this defensive effort and rebounding effort, his entire career, we're literally looking at like a multiple time all-star potential franchise player, maybe not that far, but like, this is a guy who could have been a really, really good player. There was a reason he was number one in his class out of high school. There was a reason people called him the Maple Mamba. If you watched him his rookie year, you'd be like, who that, what the hell is this player going to be? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad he can pick up that intensity on the finals. I think that being on the Warriors is really, really good for him. Yes. Um, but his defensive showing against Tatum has been excellent. He is on him 24-7. He makes every single drive difficult. 
he makes every shot difficult. Tatum hits the shots, the deep shots, but he makes every single possession tough. Yeah, and Wiggins still has the 45-inch vertical. Mm -hmm. So it's like he can kind of be one step back than other players probably should be and still make it okay. Yeah. Um, so he's he's per, he's in perfect position to close off drives, but with his verticality, he can contest jumpers. So, yeah, for Tatum, it's just it is a difficult matchup. It's actually it's pretty interesting to see the impact Andrew Wiggins has been able to have on this Warriors team, because I think I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if it's debatable. I think it's pretty clear he's been the second best player on a team that's two game one game away from winning a championship like would you have ever expected to be able to say that about Andrew Wiggins after his second year in the league? No. Um, coming into the league, I could have expected that, but after yeah. watching who he became on the Timberwolves, I thought it was just kind of like his career's over. He's just going to be like a $10 million role player type of guy, but he's incredible. He's been incredible. Um, best player in this series by far has been Steph Curry easily. Um, he did not hit a three pointer yesterday. Yeah. And I mean, the Warriors still won by 10, but first time in a very long time, Steph Curry has not hit a three pointer in a game. Yeah. And the game before it, he was unbelievable. 43 points, could not miss a three. Doesn't matter if there's a hand in his face, there's dudes trailing him. Doesn't matter. He was hitting every single shot and he plays hard defense. I'm not going to call him a good defender. Um, but he plays hard defense. He plays with effort 24-7. And they've been really, really smart about switching him off of guys. As soon as screens come, he fronts and he acts like he's going to switch. And then he sprints to a new man and somebody else swaps with him. Um, the way he's been playing and the way that they've game planned to keep him from having to use energy defensively has been really impressive. Yeah, this is like an all-time performance from Curry that we're seeing here. Um, last night, obviously, he struggled from three-point land, but from two-point land, he was above 50%. So, like, he he was efficient within the two. The threes were just not on. They were all short. Mm -hmm. And I think we can directly attribute that to the game four performance where he put the team on his back and scored 40, and no one else did anything the yeah. entire game. So um, that didn't shock me to see all those shots go short from three. Um, but yeah, what we're seeing from Curry here is pretty, pretty insane. And I, and you know, that's what makes him a superstar and what makes Jason Tatum like a star, right? Like we're watching the difference between that, those two labels in this series right now, like Curry is single-handedly willing his teams to victory. Tatum is a piece of the victory, but he's not the reason the Celtics have won the games they've won. Um, like even last night, Curry was not efficient whatsoever, but he was still a big driving force of what they were doing. I mean, even without hitting the threes, he was creating space, running off ball. Like he was just, he's all encapsulating. Like he affects the game in every facet. Like it's been super, super fun to watch. Obviously it does kind of suck that it's against the Celtics, but you, you know, like I, I just love good basketball. Honestly, I'm cool with whoever wins the series, like watching Steph doing what he's doing at a historic like level. I, I just think it's so cool. The fact that their dynasty has continued till today, the fact that it started in like 2015 and it's still going today is impressive. Even if you're a Celtics fan, you have to be impressed watching what he does. Uh, and I think, and, yeah, really, sorry, really quick. Like last night, me and you had a brief discussion about just legacy. And I know this could be like a whole episode by itself, but we'll keep it brief. Like for Steph Curry's a legacy, we go back to 2015. He wins his first championship. He gets absolutely robbed with the finals MVP. That should have been his. Then Kevin Durant comes along and they win two more. No one really cares about those titles. We're talking seven years later that Steph Curry is still the best player on a potential championship winning team. If they do end up closing the deal, he will win finals MVP and he will be the best player on a championship team seven years from when he first did it. Not a lot of players can say that. No, no, really they can't. I don't know where he ranks all time because those Kevin Durant championships are so meaningless. They, uh, it was the best basketball team that anybody will ever see, most likely. Ever created. Um, ever create. Uh, we're, we're not going to see that again. I don't know. You can't really give him a lot of credit for winning on those teams. Um, but the 2015 title, you absolutely can. Yeah. Um, and if he wins it this time, it's – he won because of him. Andrew Wiggins has been great. Clay's been on and off. Jordan Poole's been on and off. But it's been Steph Curry that's been carrying this team.
Yeah. Um, I don't know where he ranks all time, man. It's a conversation we're going to have to have if it happens. Um, but it's, it's hard to rank. I don't know where you put like changing basketball entirely. That's got to bump him very, very high on the list. Yeah. I think for me personally, just based off of resume, I think you have to put him over Kevin Durant in the all-time discussion if he if he achieves this. Um, I, I don't think it's a question. Kevin Durant's probably the more talented basketball player. I'm gonna take the guy who's six foot eleven and can shoot threes at a 40% clip. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. But the way Curry's impacted the game, his resume would be ridiculous at this point. Um it, it's to put someone over Kevin Durant on an all-time list is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think it's crazy um, because accolades wise, the only chips that KD has is from those Warrior days. Um, we said this, you said this to me yesterday that basically, if you subtract the KD Warrior accolades, if you get rid of all of that, KD and James Harden have pretty similar resumes. They can't do shit on their own, practically. Um, yeah, man, I I don't know what else to say about Steph Curry. Um, getting into the Celtics though, because they got to be better. The second half has not been good to watch for a lot of these games. Um, we've had some pretty, pretty epic fourth quarter collapses this entire season. The Celtics love having that eight, 10 point lead and just ISO balling into a Marcus smart miss and then going down and playing good defense on the other end and hoping for the best. Um, and we keep doing that whenever we have leads and then we don't have leads. And for some reason, we don't give the ball to Jalen Brown when he's hot. We don't give the ball to Jason Tatum when he's hot. And instead of running plays for them, we just have them ISO. Um, all of our smart basketball play goes out the window as soon as the fourth quarter comes offensively. I think it's just their true identity. Unfortunately, I think Ime has done an incredible job of driving into these guys hey pass the ball pass the ball find open shots um I think the core of these star players on our team is I want this shot and I'm gonna create it for myself um we've seen it with Tatum we've seen it with Brown we've definitely seen it with Marcus Smart um they all kind of have that feeling of hey I want to be the guy to make the shot and that's fine I mean the greatest players of all time have that feeling but when your team's so heavily predicated on ball movement and when we've had years of data telling us that, Hey, the isolations aren't working, like stop with the isolations. Uh, We brought it up earlier in the season, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were ranked as like some of the worst isolation players in the league um, this year with a certain amount of attempts, obviously. But I mean, it's not an efficient way of offense And that's why we see these fourth quarter leads dissipate a little bit because it's like, all right, few dribbles through the legs, five, five seconds runs off the clock. One pass to Jason Tatum. He does his 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 combo. And then there's another 10 seconds. And then they're forced into awful shots Um, when the ball is swinging. They're really hard to stop on offense. That is that's exactly what it is. When you watch the Heat series, when you watch the Bucks series, when our ball movement was good, we got whatever open shot we wanted. We were getting ridiculous amounts of open threes, even game one and two against the Warriors. We were getting a lot of open threes um, just through swinging the ball and keeping it moving and drive and kick. And you're right. If you're an incredible ISO scorer, then when the playoffs come, that's what you do. You watch DeMar DeRozan and he's not like some playoff king or whatever, but you watch him this year when he played the Bucks and he won him a game on his back, carrying the team just through ISO moves. Scoring over Giannis, scoring over whoever was in front of him. Tatum doesn't do that. Um, He's never been that kind of efficient ISO scorer. So when he reverts to that in the fourth quarter, it's a prayer. Um, They're not, we're not confident these shots are going down. We have to go back to ball movement. And I don't know what it, you're right. It's just their identity. It's just who they are. That when it comes down to it, Jason Tatum wants to be the guy to dribble, 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 and then do something. Yeah, and we can even go back to like when he was a rookie. What was Jason Tatum best at was when the ball was swinging around and then all of a sudden Tatum was in the corner shooting 50% from corner three. It's like he's his best when he's incorporated with the team. It's not just the Jason Tatum show all game long. It's like 
you know, we want him running pick and rolls. We want him defending. We want him getting catch and shoot opportunities. We want him kind of all over the court. We don't want him doing this one thing like a James Harden or a Kevin Durant, like even KD, he moves a lot without the ball and stuff like that. So we just less isolation in general for all players on our team is a good thing. Yes. I like the way he runs a pick and roll. He had 13 assists in game one. Um, I texted you this morning. He has the most turnovers in postseason history. And you texted back. He has the most assists in the postseason right now. Yeah. So, I mean, the turnover rate is not amazing. But if we think back to what Jason Tatum was as a playmaker before, like we're talking back in December, there's clearly been growth. Like he sees it better now. The turnovers are still an issue. But I'm confident with him running the pick and roll multiple, multiple times throughout the game. Yes. What it turns into, the thing that just sucks, uh, and, you know, this is what we're saying, but for the first 40 minutes, he runs a pick and roll. He is looking to make passes. He is looking for the best play. Um, those, those last four minutes when it's crunch time, every pick and roll is I'm going to shoot. I do not want to pass this ball. It doesn't matter who's guarding me. doesn't matter who's open. Um, this play is for me. And he just loses a little bit of that playmaking because he's not a natural playmaker. He's gotten so much better at it, but his instinct is to score. Yeah. And when he can't make a two, it is so frustrating watching him try over and over and over again. I heard an interesting theory on this. Um, do you think Tatum is stuck sometimes between being a scorer and being the facilitator? Because there was a lot made about like Marcus Smart being a point guard this season. And he definitely has also made strides. There's no doubt, like no doubt that he is a better park point guard this year than he has been in his entire career. I still don't think he's an amazing point guard. I don't think he's like a table setter by any stretch. Um, do you think like because Tatum has the playmaking responsibility that sometimes he just forgets to shoot and vice versa? Like, because in the fourth quarter, he barely shot. He was just setting up guys. And then when it came to crunch time, then it was like, that do you get what i'm saying like it's kind of just one or the other not both together yeah 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 no i I definitely get where you're going with that um i think it's there's definitely some truth to that because marcus smart there are games where he decides i'm going to facilitate watched him i i can still picture that play he gave he made against the heat he's driving to the lane and he fakes a layup and then he does like the wraparound pass to the opposite wing for a three most guys in the league are not capable of making a pass like that So when he really wants to, Marcus Smart can facilitate pretty well. Um, We just, we watch it and he gets it in his head where he's like, nah, not today. Today I'm shooting. Um, And, you know, he was efficient yesterday. We did not lose that game because of his shooting. No way. Um, But we need a guy who is going to be a pure facilitator. Marcus Smart can take those shots. And I, you know, I trust him, even though he's hot and cold, even though he's a roller coaster, he needs to have the confidence to take those shots. He can't panic out of a wide open three and give it to somebody else. Um, But we do need a dude who's a pure facilitator and we just don't have that on a team. It's so, I mean, we can see it with the Warriors. Draymond Green does not know how to shoot a basketball. No, He has no idea. He knows how to dunk it, um, but he has no idea how to shoot a basketball, but he can pass like nobody's business, man. Those passes that he was making through defenders, the bounce passes to Curry through defenders, watching Curry fly around the court and watching Draymond know exactly where he's going to be and when he's going to be there. Nobody on the Celtics has that kind of passing skill. No. And there is so much value in just a player who protects the ball. Yes. Especially for a team like the Celtics, because I mean, we look at the turnover turnover battle from last night, the Celtics had 18 turnovers. The Warriors only had six. Mm Mm-hmm. You're going to lose. Um, I, I told you in the second quarter that I thought the game was over and the Celtics were going to win because Golden State was 0, like 3 for 20 from 3. And I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen a team win a ball game that they've shot so inefficiently from 3. But the Celtics kept the door open the entire game because they just gave Golden State so many extra opportunities. Golden State had 13 more shots than them on the game. That is directly off of turnovers and off because the Celtics won the rebounding battle. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like, oh, the Warriors were pounding the glass all night. No, that had nothing to do with it. It was just the Celtics were giving them away. They were, Um, and they were just dumb passes. 
they were driving to the lane and, oh, shit, there's a dude in my face. I don't know what to do. I'm going to throw the ball. Or Jalen Brown getting stripped at the three-point line, just holding the ball, waiting to do something. Or rushing passes and telegraphing passes. The same way Jimmy Butler can read a passing lane. And, you know, he can tell he's, he's already taken three steps towards the guy before you even pass it. Cause he knows what you're doing. Draymond does that. Um, even Steph Curry can read those passing lanes pretty well. The Warriors are just filled with really, really smart basketball players. So when you make dumb telegraphed passes all the time, they break them up. And I mean, Gary Payton, the second is literally one of the best point guard defenders in the entire league. Like mm-hmm. if he got more minutes, he probably would have made all defense. Draymond Green, I think has a case to be called the best defender in the entire league. Um, so, I mean, if we're making stupid passes, we're not going to get away with it. And Andrew Wiggins to make like another point, like he has shown us this series that he is a good enough defender to make us pay for stupid decisions. Um, it's just, it's one of those things like it, if the Celtics had like a Ricky Rubio coming off the bench or like if they had their own Draymond green, like it just makes you think what would the ceiling be if Tatum and Brown didn't have to work for their own shots all game long. You know what I mean? And if you want to look at a parallel, another really good scoring duo and look at the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard does not want to be the dude running the show. He does not want to be the dude dribbling the ball up every single time trying to facilitate. They went out and they got point guards for him because he does not want to be that dude. He wants to give it to me in my spots and I'm going to score. If I make, if I got to make a pass, I'll make a pass, but that's not my job. Um, And Tatum and Brown have been forced into that role because we just don't go out and get a pure facilitator. That is an amazing point. That is an unbelievable point because I watch a ton of the Clippers because Kawhi is my favorite player. And you're absolutely right. I Kawhi probably runs a few pick and rolls a game. And then everything else from there is I'm getting my points in the post transition and at my like free throw line spot. And then that's kind of his game and like a trailer three. And then he racks up 27 points on 50, 40, 90. Mm-hmm. And you're like, we just got dominated by a game who really didn't touch the ball that much. Um, and then for Paul George, who I think Tatum and Paul George have a lot of similarities in their game. Definitely. Um, Paul George kind of struggles with the same thing Tatum's struggling right now is just the turnovers can get a little crazy. But when he's set up, I mean, he is deadly efficient. Me and you have complimented Paul George for like months because he can hit 50% from three first long stretches. Um, If we could see just someone set up Tatum, like someone sets up Paul George, like Reggie Jackson sets up Paul George. I mean, it's like, what is the ceiling on that guy? So I know we're, we're already kind of looking to the off season with that, but maybe Marcus smart, this all comes back to Marcus smart. Like what if Marcus smart in game six says, you know what? Like I'm going to tone down the offensive shooting, which again, he's been pretty decent Mm -hmm. and just let me set up Tatum to get easy shots. Let me set up Brown to get easy shots. Let me throw oops to Robin Al. And like, let me just run this thing. I I think that would lead them probably to a victory. I agree. I think it needs to happen. Yeah, we we should get into what the Celtics have to do over these next games if they want a chance to win in this series. And that is what it comes down to for me in a big way. Because defense, we're giving up a little bit too many points. Um, But this is the Warriors, man. Their offense is incredible. You're going to give up 100 points. You need to be able to put up 100 as well. Um, the turnovers are what's killing the Celtics cannot turn the ball over 18 times in a game and expect to win. doesn't matter what they're shooting. It doesn't matter what you're shooting. You just can't give up that many possessions. And Marcus smart for the most part is a dude who I can trust to not lose the ball. He makes some dumb passes. He tries a bit too hard sometimes in his passes, but he's not getting the ball stripped from him dribbling. Um, and so I think that is big. That's what we're going to need to see is stop having Jason Tatum run every single possession. When he gets the catch and shoot three-point opportunities, when he moves around and we get him those, he hits them. Dude, they're money. All the time. Yes. Yes. All the time. Um, If he's not going to be able to hit a layup, we got to just kind of keep him around the perimeter and let smart facilitate. I'm totally with you on that. I think the Achilles heel to the Celtics is turnovers because we know the defense is there. It's their offense. It, it's really the only inconsistent part of this team. I mean, 
if if you just cut out the the turnovers, this is like a dynasty caliber team. Honestly, yeah. like the with the way they play defense, if they were able to control the ball a little bit more and just protect the ball a little bit more, I mean, this is like a a championship contender for like the next three four years if mm-hmm. they figure that part out. You're right. Um, and on uh, another thing that's going to have to change, Jalen Brown, you got to hit threes. Can't keep missing every single three. You can't, we can't do this thing where he comes out in the first quarter and lights <laughs> people's out, like, like lights people on fire. Yeah. And then we just ice him out for the rest of the game. Yeah. We can't do that. Go with the hot hand. When it's Jalen Brown, go with him. Don't try to force it because we do a lot of forcing opportunities for both of them. Um, ride the hot hand. Yeah, I have no issue with that. I mean, Jalen Brown has had some pretty interesting games this series. Um, I'm pretty sure he had one game where he had like 17 points in like the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we struggled. iced him out. Yeah, and then just struggled from then on, and he didn't get as many touches as he probably should have. And that doesn't make too much sense to me. Um, I think just as like even guys like me and you who just run like YMCA type basketball every once in a while, it's like, if someone's got 17 points in the first quarter, just keep feeding them. Yeah. They'll, prop, they'll probably get you the victory. Um, right. to, to turn away from that guy doesn't make a ton of sense. But his inconsistency this series isn't super surprising to me personally. And I can kind of say the same thing for Tatum. Um, I think both of these players' highs are like, for Tatum, it's, I'm a superstar. That's his high. Like that's mm. his ceiling. Like he can look like a top five guy at times. And then there are times where it's like, all right, this is probably like a third team, all NBA type dude. Um, and he's probably right there in the middle. He's probably like a second team, all NBA guy for a long, long time. And that's a very good player. It's a top 10 player in the league. Yes. Um, for Jalen Brown, it's kind of like, I'm an all-star and that's kind of his ceiling. Like I'm an all-star scorer. And then sometimes it's like, all right, this could be like the third or fourth guy on the championship team. And he's probably right there in the middle. He's mm-hmm. fringe all-star. So the inconsistencies with them don't super surprise me. And I think there's a lot of that just on the Celtics roster in general. I mean, as, as fans of Boston and how, I, I don't know when you started watching the Celtics. I've been watching since like 2013, I think with like Brandon Bass. That was kind of the first team I started watching. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marcus Smart, when he got drafted, it was this, the enti- it's, it, this has been him the entire career, right? There would be nights where it's like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. And then there would be some nights where it's like, get the ball out of this guy's hands. So if we can just find a lane where we can make a little bit more consistency between those three players, I think the Celtics can grab the upper hand again, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, we'll be back in the TD garden for game six. Um, I just keep waiting for that 40 point Jason Tatum game. Dude, same. And it hasn't happened. And you watch him shoot threes and you watch him come out nine for 12 in the first half of game five. And you think, all right, this is going to be the game he pops off. And then he hits one more shot. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm still waiting for him. He missed four free throws, four out of six free throws. Um, so I think there's a, you know, he's been dealing with the shoulder issue. I don't know how it stopped. I don't know how he's hitting threes so efficiently with the shoulder issue. That's um, my thing. Like, if if it's actually an issue, why would he be shooting threes so well right now? You know what I mean? I don't understand. It. You're yeah, right. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> but he's clearly lost a bit of touch around the rim. He clearly does not have, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know what it is, but his touch around the rim is not what it's been. I think this is something that I'm going to monitor even closer coming up next season because I watched the Cavs more than I watched the Celtics by far last year I'm heading into the postseason I've been focusing on the Celtics and this is something that's been going on with Tatum I want to see if this is just a oh the physicality of the playoffs is really getting to him or is this just something that because I know he's like when he plays he's a finesse player but does it work more effectively in the regular season compared to the postseason that's something I'll be keeping an eye on for next year because I want to know if it's just a general issue in his game or is it the officiating? Is it the style of the teams we've faced? I mean, cause it's fucking Milwaukee, Miami, and golden state. Like these are great defensive teams. These aren't just garbage cans that we're facing. Um, this is something I want to kind of look at further. I think the officiating saves him in the regular season a lot. I think um, you might be right. 
because you have to play him a little less aggressively during the regular season and you have to give him more opportunity scoring wise, because if you play the sort of physical play that the, the Warriors are doing right now, if you do that in the regular season, you're getting foul calls all day. Um, and so when you're allowed to bump him and you're allowed to get in his face on every single drive, he doesn't have the same kind of finesse. Steph Curry does, man. It doesn't matter if he's going left of the basket, right of the basket, under the basket. He's got up and unders. He's got floaters. Anywhere around the rim, dude's got incredible touch. Um, Jason Tatum wants the foul call too much, and I think that's the thing that's killing him is just like, you know, you got to understand that they're swallowing their whistle and you got to play like that. And I want to talk about Curry for a little, like you just brought it up. Like as a guy whose game is predicated on outside in, like he's a three-point shooter first and then everything else second. Mm-hmm. He's extremely efficient at the rim for a guy yeah. that's small and going up against the trees. Like it's pretty ridiculous uh, how efficient he is around the rim for just a guy that's kind of, I wouldn't say he's frail, but he, I mean, when you look at him next to other guys, he, it's visible that he's smaller. Yes. Dude can uh, deadlift 400 pounds. He's got some strength to him. Um, Yeah, he's got some really, really crazy strength to him. His core stability is probably like, you know, 99th percentile in the league. His ability to like keep his spot when he's getting bumped is really, really impressive. Um, But yeah, he's got so many moves around the rim, man. I watch him do floaters from the free throw line and their money. And you know they're going in as he releases them. There's nobody else in the league that's really doing that. Um, It's just his hand-eye coordination has got to be, you know, like some of the best in the entire world. Yes. And also his conditioning. Yes. You'll hear that on every fucking podcast you listen to today, but it's, it's truth. It's the truth. That Mm -hmm. guy can run all game long. You can put him out there for 48 minutes and he'd still be sprinting. Um, that wears teams out. Like, it's just hard to defend a guy that's moving that much. Um, and that helps him get to the rim, too. He, he's, I mean, three minutes left in the fourth quarter, he's sprinting by guys to get to the hoop. It's like they don't want to deal with that all game long. They just don't. So it's, he, he's wildly impressive. Like, he's so fun to watch. I just, I'm still amazed by in the position they're in current. Like they're one game away. Um, I want to ask you about another player that we haven't even touched on yet, Clay Thompson. So Clay Thompson has been a roller coaster this entire postseason. Um, definitely not the guy that I thought he would be this season, where I kind of just anticipated him just coming back to form. I think that was a little naive of me. I think Kevin Durant really skewed my expectations. Um, because Kevin Durant came back from the same injury and then put up 30 a game. So that's a pretty rare, that's a rarity, right? Um, but with Clay Thompson, he's been very inconsistent this whole postseason run, but he's had two very good closeout games in game six. And the legend of game six Clay's kind of is still living on. I mean, he closed out Memphis, he closed out Dallas. We're heading to Boston for game six. What are you anticipating from Clay Thompson in the game six matchup? I am terrified of Clay Thompson in this game. I really am. Um, <laughs> he has not been that impressive this series. He really hasn't. The three that I think he hits, I don't know the data on this. I would love to figure it out. But the pump fake, sidestep, relocate three, just the one dribble to the side, relocate three, he's got to be shooting 80%. Um, I, I, I don't see him miss him ever. Um, it doesn't, you know, the other threes, when he's in motion, a lot of those, he hasn't been very efficient with. Um, but as soon as a dude jumps by him and he gets a little fake and step to the side, I have not seen him miss one of those. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, But I'm terrified. I'm also pretty scared for the Celtics fans out there. I mean, he, he's shooting 36% from three, which is like respectable, but it's just above league average. Like we're talking about probably the second greatest shooter of all time. Mm Mm-hmm shooting only 36, 37% from three in a game six. I'm nervous. He's going to shoot like 55% from three and he's just going to take over. He has a knack for this. Like yeah. this is, is this is his game. Yep. Um, this nickname was earned game six. Clay was earned. I, he has killed the teams for years in games like this. So yeah. He hit five it, threes yesterday. Yeah. He was the only starter to hit a three. Um, yeah. And the thing about him and Clay, or the thing about him and Steph, is when they hit a three early in the game, all it takes is like a little bit of rhythm and they're fine. 
Steph Curry was forcing them because we were fronting them so much because we were basically playing four on four. Um, he was pulling up from like 35, 36 feet, just trying to get a shot, trying to get a little bit of rhythm. Cause as soon as he gets that, he can shoot from anywhere. Yeah. Um, Clay Thompson is a lot of the same way. You really have to stop him from making his first three because after that, he's just going to, he's going to have no problem. Um, the defense we've been playing on him, I think is pretty good to be honest. He's an excellent shooter. So he just keeps, he's got nights where he just is hot as hell. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't really had problems with the way we're guarding him and Steph. Steph is crazy and he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, but there's not a lot of better ways you can guard them. Yeah. I think the adjustment to guarding Steph, I want to give Ime a lot of credit on actually. Um, yes. Steph's legs were dead last night, but I do think the shots he was forced into were difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Steph, he's kind of a guy where it doesn't matter if the shot's difficult or not. He's kind of going to make it no matter what. But the more you can make him work and the more desperate he is to get shots up, I think the better for the Celtics. Um, a crazy stat came out for game four uh, for Steph Curry, where 12 of his 14 makes were con- uh, cont- heavily contested. So it's just like it doesn't matter what the Celtics really do. But as long as they make him work, I'm totally cool with it. And we saw a lot of that last night in a different way than before, but definitely more of it. So, and with Clay Thompson, at the end of the day, he is kind of a spot up shooter. Um, I think he's the most accurate spot up shooter to ever touch a basketball court, but he is a spot up shooter. I mean, he's made his living on not dribbling and shooting threes. So I think the Celtics have done a pretty good job of kind of just sticking to him and not helping off of him too deep like they're not getting a foot in the paint and having to sprint out and try to contest a clay thompson three which is good um it's weird because i feel like what the celtics are doing is kind of a recipe to win like the way they're playing defense but we've talked about this for 30 minutes now it's just it's just the offense um i'm totally fine with how they're guarding the warriors yeah, man. We were prepared for Steph. We were prepared for Clay. We were prepared for Jordan Poole, even though he's had some good moments. We were not prepared for Andrew Wiggins. We were not prepared for 23 shots from Andrew Wiggins, 12 makes. Uh, he didn't hit a three because he's not an excellent three-point shooter, but the dude has some of the best athleticism in the league. Um, I, I, I think everybody remembers that game one, he drives to the hoop. He jumps into Al and he just waits for Al Horford to land and he just floats in the air for a couple seconds and then puts up a little layup. Yeah. Um, we don't have an answer for him. And I wasn't expecting him to be the killer. It's the, and that shifted last night. I feel yeah. like the new strategy that we use to defend Steph actually made Andrew Wiggins life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a pick your poison game. It's like, do you want Steph or Andrew Wiggins? Obviously you're going to choose Andrew Wiggins over Steph. If you yeah. have to live with someone taking shots. So it comes down to can Andrew Wiggins continue this type of efficiency and just like, I looked at you at least four times last night when he would sky to the rim. And I was like, dude, just look at that shit. Mm-hmm. Like it is I, I wanted Tatum to do what he was doing last night, like where Andrew Wiggins just kind of, put his head down, dropped his shoulder, and just went to the rim. Right. He had that nice dunk over Derek White late in the game. Like, that was something that the Celtics should be doing more of. Just get, put your head down, get to the rim. Um, I, I'm curious to see if Wiggins can keep it up. I, I'm I'm very intrigued by that. I kind of feel like he can, man. I do, too. Um, you're right, though. This is What he is doing is what I thought Jalen Brown and Tatum would be doing. Wiggins is not a super strong dude. Um, I mean, when you look at him, his frame, he's not like very built, but he just goes through people. Tatum should be able to do that. I think he, you said he's six, nine, I think he's six ten. but even, you know, anywhere in that range, that's tall enough to go through people. You're big enough to just like, not try to go around people and foul bait. I need more aggression from him. Yeah. I think, I think it's potentially time. Do you have anything to talk about? Actually, one more thing. Draymond played his best game of the series last night. Pretty Pretty clearly to me. Yeah. Um, in the games beforehand, uh, it was laughable what Draymond was doing. Um, even his mom tweeted about it and was like, yo, I don't know what's wrong with my son. This is not how he plays basketball. It was really bad. Um, and last night he had a really good game. I think he only had eight points, but Draymond, that's not what matters with Draymond. Like it, it's really not. It's, it's everything else. It's the defense. It's the passing. 
he finished with eight points, eight rebounds, six assists, and only two turnovers. That's a great game for Draymond. And he's he was three for six. So, I mean, at least he's shooting 50%. He is king of the triple single. He is. He is. Um, he, he'll have six, seven, eight games, like six, seven, eight points, rebounds, assists. And that's a really good game for him because of just the way he impacts the floor. Um, you're right. He had his best game. The, the two games before that were pathetic like really, really bad. He's fouled out of three games in the finals so far. Um, But you know, he's a force defensively. They put him on Jalen Brown and he does a really good job for the most part. He does, dude. He's got amazing hands. That's always been one of his best traits. Like he has really quick hands and people forget he's literally six, five. Like he's not this seven foot lumbering dude. He's six, five. Mm -hmm. He's way smaller than Tatum. He's smaller than Jalen Brown. So he has the foot speed to be able to kind of keep up with guys. So And he I is such was... an agitator and it works. The Celtics do not have an agitator like that. Smart used to be that guy, Yeah. Um, but he kind of has pulled back a little bit. And I don't know why. I think we need him to be a little bit more of an agitator. Uh, yeah. but Draymond Green is clearly, he clearly gets in their heads. I think last night when we saw the result of the game, I turned to you and you, I, uh, you kind of said like the series is over now. Was that just a heat of the moment Celtics anger boiling up? Or do you, do you believe that this is a wrap and that the Warriors have kind of finished the deal with that win last night? I don't know. I, you know, I, as a Celtics fan, I want to say, let's, let's take it to seven and see what happens. Um, it's just the turnovers, man. If that shit continues and, you know, we've turned the ball over 16 times a game so far, so there's no reason to think that won't continue. Right. We can't win games like that. We can't win against the Warriors like that. Um, I think we can win game six at the Garden. But game seven, I've been saying this since the start of the series, game seven is anyone's game. The Warriors have been here so many times. They know what it takes. Uh, Tatum has not been the dude. Brown has not been the dude. I don't know how, as a Celtics fan, you could be confident in the Celtics game seven. I'm kind of with you. Um, I chose Warriors in seven before, but I'm actually not. I'm almost positive the Celtics are going to win this game six. There's something in my heart that lets me know that they're going to bring it to a seven um, back at Golden State. I think Tatum's going to have a big game six at the Garden. I feel like this is going to be his game where he continues the series. Um. So that's my intuition, but I mean, when it comes down to a game seven and you got home court advantage, you have 123 games of finals experience. It's, it's kind of, it, it leans one way. And that's, that's why I chose the Warriors to begin with just the experience. And that was it. Like yeah. literally just the experience is why I chose them. And we're seeing now is like, if it does go to a game seven, that, that bodes well for them. So um, I think I'm going to stick with my pick, but I don't think by any stretch the Celtics are out of this. Like, like you said, game seven is anyone's game. Um, we saw in the Bucks series, we were down three, two, we won game six, and then we slammed them in game seven. So yeah, game seven I, against the heat, we came out hot as hell. We blew it towards the end, right? We had a convincing lead for a long time. Right. So um, I'm not. I'm not too worried about the Celtics, honestly. Like, I think they'll force a game seven, and I think it will be competitive all the way down the stretch in game seven. Yeah. The only thing that stops the Celtics from winning game six is Clay Thompson putting up 40. 100%. 100%. And, you know, I'm going to rock with Celtics in seven. I'm okay if I'm wrong. You know, I kind of feel like I got to root Celtics in seven. Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't know, man. I got to see less turnovers in game six. I got to see something that gives me a glimmer of hope that we're going to actually clean the ball, like clean up the ball handling for game seven. I'm, I kind of understand why Celtics fans would be hesitant to think they were, they would win this series. Right. Cause you're right. Like we're averaging 16 turnovers a game. There has been no evidence of us potentially fixing that issue. Mm-hmm. So I could understand the hesitancy, but I mean, if Jalen, if, you know, if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have one good game together where both of them play well, I mean, it's forcing a game seven. And then, you know, if Rob goes crazy in game seven, or if Al has a 20 point, you know what I mean? It's like, right. it's we're, the Celtics are definitely still in this, but right. we haven't seen a great game from Brown and Tatum at the same time. 
I f- it feels like almost this entire postseason. There Pretty hasn't much. Been, yeah. Yeah. They had a couple of like one will put up 30 and one will put up 24. Um, but they haven't both killed it at the same time. If they yeah. do that, Celtics can clearly win it. A hundred percent. So yeah, I don't I think that probably wraps it up. Also, just because I'm a Cavs guy, I want Andrew Wiggins on the Cavs and I want that on the podcast. Yeah, I don't I, I just don't know, man. I don't know if he brings that same fire for the Cavs. I want to be held accountable if he does get signed. <laughs> he's not who I want. Because, <laughs> guys, I got to like, obviously, we're on Zoom here, but you can't see my background. Like, I have an Andrew Wiggins jersey hanging up in my little uh, desk here. Mm-hmm. And I bought in immediately once he got drafted. So I've been duped before by Andrew Wiggins. So I, I'm not immune to it now. But if the Cavs could sign him, that'd be make that would make me happy. The fit would be nice, man. If he is this version of Andrew Wiggins, the fit would be very nice. Yeah, I he's got after this season, he's only got one more year left for 33 million. That's Ooh. it's expensive, but I would trade for it if I were the Cavs. Yeah. Get rid yeah. of Karis Levert and Larry Markinen. And there you go. Um, yeah, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't do that trade? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else to say before we're out of here, Ben? I got nothing. Actually, just like we no. haven't brought it up, but what an amazing series this has been so far. Yeah, as a honestly, neutral yes. fan, what an incredible series this has been so far. We talked about this with Mike and Jordan when they hopped on, like, and I think even before they hopped on, like I was anticipating an all-time series. And I, I feel like I've been re- like rewarded by that. I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like every game I watch, I'm like, that was a good game. I haven't been disappointed. There hasn't really been super blowouts. I think there was one. I forget what game it was, but. Warriors like, game two. Yeah, yeah. But most of the games have been competitive and fun and like very wire to wire. So I- I'm, I'm very happy with how this NBA finals is playing out. Yeah, if it does make it to game seven and that's a game, this could be one of the better series ever. You know, there's like, there's, there's certainly some better ones, but just, it's just been entertaining as hell, man. Yeah. Yeah. I've loved every second. So yeah. All right. Peace. See ya.